Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So the astute among you will see that there are no many verses, there are no verses after the verses that Margaret had read out. We have come to the end of our sermon series, Faith That Works. And last week we found that, that James was reminding us to have that eternal perspective, an eye to the, the future that while our lives here certainly matter, that everything that we do has that eternal consequence. That while our lives matter, this is not it. That God has so much more in store for us and that we should look to use our time here on earth as a way of preparing ourselves for an eternal life with our Lord Jesus. That means that we don't ignore what is happening in the, the here and now because everything we do does have that eternal consequence. James's letter is filled with so much challenging stuff, things that we really struggle with. We might even struggle to even think about them, never even mind to try and put them into practice. So it's no surprise that James finishes his letter by highlighting the most important tool in the toolbox of a follower of Jesus. We have prayer. That that is the most important tool that we have. I remember hearing a story of a, 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 new, a minister who had taken on a new charge. And as he was setting up his, his office in his new home. He started to put the books on the shelves, arranging the furniture and hanging the, the pictures up on the wall. He noticed that there was something strange over in the corner of the room. It looked like there was, the carpet had been worn away. And he thought, well, maybe there'd just been you know, a kind of piece of furniture there or, or something, and it kind of rubbed away. Maybe a bookcase something like that. And it just ruined the carpet. And he never thought anything more about it, but every time he was in his study and every time he was preparing a service for the Sunday, he would keep looking over into the corner. It started to bother him. He started to wonder what had made that over in the corner. So he went across and he asked the, the church officer, and he said, you know, back home in my study, there's, there's a piece of carpet that has just been worn away. What happened? Was there some sort of an accident? And the church officer says, no, it wasn't an accident. You see, that was where the previous minister had got on their knees every day to pray for themselves, their family, the congregation in the parish that they were called to serve. The previous minister did this every day. 
That new minister felt a tinge of guilt. They wished that they had that kind of level of commitment to go down on their knees every day that you might create a spoiled carpet. And that's the challenge. And I bet every single one of us wishes that we could maybe pray more, pray better. We seem to think that other people pray better than us, but conversation with God, and it comes from our own heart, there is no better. Prayer might just be something that we feel we just can't do. However, Jesus has made it possible that we can go directly to God as our Father. And we, his children, Jesus did that. That we're able to go for inspiration and comfort. Have a conversation with our Heavenly Father. And our prayers might not always be answered in the timescales that we would like. Or even in the manner that we would want. The fact that we can go straight to God can often result in amazing things happening. Sometimes even greater things than we could ever possibly have imagined. However, it can be easy to fall into that trap of using prayer as a kind of last resort. We might find ourselves in a, in a, in a tight spot, a real struggle, and that's when we call out to God in that moment. I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. Father, please help me find this wallet that I've lost. Father, would you help me with this test that I've not even studied for? And while there is nothing wrong with going to your Father in those times of need, our Father wants us to, to cry out, seek his help, and of course, prayer at any time is better than none at all. And it makes sense to rely on the, the creator of the, the universe and everything in it when we're seeking that guidance on how to proceed. But essentially, we should be praying at all times. And our passage this morning gives four instances in which prayer is needed and encouraged we find that prayer is, is needed in times of suffering, that prayer is needed in cheerful times, that we pray for the, the healing of the, the sick, and we pray for the wanderer. James starts that final section of his letter by asking the question, are any among you suffering? They should pray. And then he goes on to say, are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. As I said earlier, we have a tendency to, to cry out to God in prayer as a, as a last resort. Instead of it being this kind of regular pattern. In the same way that we would talk to one another. As if they were right beside us. James is reminding us that there will be times of struggle, but also by life's very nature, we will also experience times of great joy. That life doesn't have to be one or the other. That we go through life and there will be times when it's a struggle and we're suffering, 
but there will be times where we are experiencing real and deep joy. And we need to be praying and praising throughout it all. C.S. Lewis says, relying on God has to begin all over again, every day, as if nothing had yet been done. Relying on God has to begin all over again, every day, as if nothing had yet been done. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is that it requires a a certain level of, of commitment, that we would be committed to praying daily. And that sounds tough. Sounds tough. However, the most basic definition of prayer is talking to God. Prayer isn't just meditation or passive reflection. There may be elements to that in our prayer times, but it's completely different to this craze and the the kind of new age spirituality to spend time in meditation, which focuses on looking on our own internal strengths. We start to rely on our own strength. But prayer for the Jesus follower is a direct a direct address, address and access to God. It's a communication of the, the human soul to the Lord who created that soul. And it's not about a particular style or, or language. You might think we have to say specific things or use a particular language. You might have heard others praying these amazing prayers, eloquent words, and think there's no way that I can do that. You don't have to. Prayer is a conversation, so you speak in your, your normal language and using your normal vocabulary. God wants you to speak to him from your own heart, with your own words. And no flowery language is needed. God wants us to be speaking to him in those times that we are struggling but also in those times of real joy. And I know just as much as anyone just how difficult it can be at times when you find yourself in that place of real struggle where you just don't have the words. You know, Paul in his letter to the Romans where he says, you know, in those times we, the Holy Spirit takes our, our groans and intercedes on our behalf, it turns it into a prayer to God. That God knows the, the prayers of our hearts and our minds. The Holy Spirit's able to take those times that we're really struggling. Mike Bickle is the, the founder of the International House of Prayer. And in his book, Growing in Prayer, he suggests putting a plan in place to allow for regular prayer and praise to become part of our lives. The first thing is that he suggests that we actually set a schedule for regular prayer times. And I reckon you might have the same personality type as as my wife. She likes to schedule things. I'm much more of a, let's just see how it goes kind of guy. But this definitely helps, where Mike Bickle suggests that we set a schedule for regular prayer times, because life can get busy. And in that time where it's busy, there are many, many demands on our time. 
And for that reason, we need to be intentional about developing our prayer lives. Because if we don't set our own schedules, others will set it for us. And the result can be that there's very little time left for prayer. I know myself that if I don't set aside specific prayer times, I can miss out on them just because of busyness. You don't do it intentionally. It's just maybe the telephone will go or, or an email comes in or I've got to go to a meeting and I forget. So other things get in the way. The best way to, to schedule a, a, a prayer time is to establish when is the best time to pray for you. Not the same for everyone. You know, for some it might be that you are a, an early bird. You like to get up early. It might be in those times that you set aside time for prayer in the early morning. For others it might be that you prefer to, to do it at the end of the day. That when you're winding down, you find it easier to, to get some time then to, to spend time in prayer. And equally, it might be that you find it better to, to have it at lunchtime. You know, what I've found helpful is setting a, a reminder alarm on my phone. And that reminds me each day to, to stop. I'm a lunchtime person. I'm not an early bird. And I'd probably fall asleep if I waited to the end of the day. So I'm a lunchtime person. And I got a reminder on my phone. But another hurdle to praying regularly is that we might just not know what to pray or even how to start. You might find it helpful to, to start to write down a prayer list. A prayer list is just a, a simple tool where you, you write down things that are personal to you. There's no set way of doing it. And it might be that you've only got a few things written down or it might be that you have a big long list. But that will help you in your times of prayer because you can look at it and that can focus you. It might be things that you're struggling with. It might be things that you're really joyful about. Things that you're thankful for. And the longer that you have this prayer list, you'll realize that it actually develops and it will help you to focus in your prayers. And eventually make it easier for you to pray to your Father in heaven. Equally, we might find that as we begin this process, we tend to focus on the needs of others first, before ourselves. When we come to prayer, we automatically want to pray for other people. It's quite natural. We don't want to be seen as selfish or seen as we're only interested and ourselves. However, never forget that your Father in heaven is interested in you. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we're afforded that everlasting relationship with God. And of course, a prayer list is a guide to pray for ourselves, but also other individuals, family and friends and situations. It might become a guide to pray for other churches, maybe in our town or in our presbytery and across the, the country. Various ministries that go on, missionaries, different cities in the world where things are happening. Justice. 
And that leads us to the third kind of prayer that, that, that James talks about. Let's read verses 14 and 15. James says, Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. While we should pray for ourselves in our situations, we should also be praying for and with others. That's why our weekly prayer meeting is so important. You see, something special happens when we gather as a community to pray. When we're united in praying for, for people, our church, our world. And it's interesting that James sees the, it being the role of the church's leadership to be praying for the healing of the sick. And that is absolutely true. And it's incredibly important that any church's leadership are committed to praying for those in and connected to our congregation and indeed those who live in our town. However, we also must remember that this is a specific church that James is writing to. The message is now for all of us to take up that call. It's up to us all to pray for and with those who aren't well. And praying for healing is a very difficult thing. It's a difficult subject because it doesn't always seem to go the way that we want it to. There may well be times when we have prayed for loved ones and they have gotten better. And we praise the Lord for that. But I'm also pretty sure that there will be times where we have prayed for a loved one to get better and they haven't. I've come across some absolutely terrible theology on the internet. Don't go to the internet. Terrible theology where the message is something along the lines of if you just do this particular thing, you will be healed. Or if you pray more, then your loved one will be healed. terrible and it's abusive see the truth is as Paul speaks of in his first letter to Corinth that God's wisdom is a mystery and we cannot fully grasp the mystery of why some people are healed and others are not we may well have prayed just as passionately and with the same intensity in both situations, where one is healed and the other isn't. But unfortunately, that is what it is. A mystery of God that we will never be able to understand this side of eternity. And that might seem like a cop-out, but it is the situation we find ourselves here on the earth. The problem with the type of theology that states if you just pray more or do a particular thing, then you'll get healed is that we create this picture of God that is either an angry taskmaster who forces us to pray 
or endure conversation with him to prove our devotion, and we'll be rewarded for doing so, or a God that has absolutely no interest in our lives and doesn't want to help us at all. Nothing could be further from the truth. God does have an interest in the fullness of our lives, our life here on earth and in eternity, so much that he sent his one and only son, our Lord Jesus, to reconcile us with our heavenly father. If we choose to repent and seek forgiveness in Jesus' name and become his follower, we are. And if you have your Bible available, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. It comes right after Galatians. Hear these words. Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. We are, as Paul writes, destined for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. We are adopted into the family of God. And in prayer, we now have the opportunity to speak to the one who created us. And that is something to be joyful about. All will be revealed in eternity. And James highlights that while there may be times that we don't seem to get the result that we want or even thought about, prayer does work. He uses this example of the the great prophet Elijah And we can read of Elijah praying for no rain in 1 Kings chapter 17. It's a wonderful story. And as readers of James's letter, we're reminded that while Elijah may have been a prophet and someone that, that God used in the story of Israel, he was also a human being. The same as each and every one of us. We all have access to and the power to pray powerful prayers and for things to happen. We should never forget that we are called to have that constant conversation with God. A God who loves us. We could speak for longer on this, but there's another important prayer need that James highlights to us as he closes out his letter. This is verses 19 and 20. James says, My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I'm sure that there are people in our lives that we love and so desperately wish would come to be part of our church community. And we need to pray that God would move in their lives 
and bring them back into the fold. It's even more difficult with the situation of those who were once part of our community, who for one reason or another have wandered off. It might be that as children grew up, they left and they never returned. It might be those who have had a difficult time in the church, or more likely with people in the church. It might even be issues with a specific leader in the church. It might have been that there were many other factors going on in their lives that contributed to them seeking to live a life apart from our community and and with God. So many things that contribute. As James says it, people wandering, wandering off. James uses this language of life and death just to, to really let us know just how important this actually is. That we need to pray for those who have, as James says, wandered that they are offered the opportunity to be saved. The offer of eternal life through Jesus, where death is not the end. And while I didn't know it at the time, I wandered away from the church as a a 12-year-old. There were many, many people praying for me. I didn't know that. I know it now. praying for me that I would rediscover or discover the the love of God that's shown in Jesus, that I would have a desire to be part of a church community again. And it might not have happened instantly, but the fact that I'm standing here in front of you this morning is testimony to the fact that their prayers definitely worked. And I give thanks every day for the people who spent time praying for me praying that that this boy who'd become a man would rediscover the love of God through Jesus. Through their prayers, their love and kindness, I became a part of the church that I would choose to spend my life serving Jesus in, leading all the way to getting to stand here as the minister of Stonelaw Church. I give thanks every day for that. But let's not forget that this series is actually called Faith That Works. James highlights an important part here. You see, prayer sets the ground, prepares the hearts of the people you're praying for. But James says in verse 19 that the wanderer needs to be brought back by another. We need to be prepared to invite others to church or other church-related things. Because I know that as well as a lot of prayers that were, were spoken for me, that I would return to Jesus, there were also a number of invitations to come and be part of the church or to do various things. 
can be an incredibly difficult thing to do because we might be worried about how someone will react if we ask them. What if they say no? Well, the answer is always no if you never ask. We're going to look at that in more detail in September. Because it's an incredibly important thing because it is hard to invite people along because we are conscious of how they might react. But we've very much had a, a whistle-stop tour of prayer this morning. And it's important to realize that James doesn't leave this to the end of his letter as a, as a kind of afterthought. That well, I, I better throw prayer in there at the end. They'll be expecting it, so I'll just throw it in. On the contrary, it is actually of vital importance to him. He's effectively saying, everything that I have said in this letter, those things that I've, I've been encouraging you with, those things that I've been challenging you with, all of it should be underpinned by prayer. And that with prayer, you will find it much easier to do the things that I've spoken to you about. He urges us, as readers of the letter, not to rob ourselves of a rich spiritual life by not carving out time to pray. That like I spoke about earlier, about allowing ourselves to be recharged, allow our spiritual batteries to be recharged. He urges us that when we don't even feel like praying, that that should give us the, the oomph that even when we don't feel it, we need to go and do it. We would, have the, we would have the stamina to be able to do it. Reminds us that prayer is not a, a process by which we earn brownie points with God, that we curry favor with God. It's not what it's about. And that prayer is not a, a magical means of ensuring that we get everything that we want, that everything on our prayer list is chalked off. Prayer is meant to be an experience where a spiritual transformation can take place. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul reminds us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And as we finish this sermon series, we've seen that James's letter emphasizes faith with action. You see, for James, right living is the evidence and result of your faith. That through our faith, we would allow God to transform our hearts and our minds. That we would be inspired to action. That we, as the church, must serve with compassion speak lovingly and in truth, live in obedience to God's commands and love one another always. That the church should be a body of believers who are an example of heaven on earth, drawing people to Jesus through love for God and for each other. For James, if we truly believe God's word, we'll seek to live it out day by day. 
James's letter shows us that the Bible is not just something we read or think about, but something that encourages us to do Christ-like things. Belief, faith, and trust must have hands and feet. James reminds us that it is our hands and feet that are desired by God. That our faith should always be in action. That we have a faith that works. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for James's letter, for the challenges, for the encouragement, for the wonderful teaching that's in there. Father, we pray specifically that, that we would be inspired to be more proactive and committed in our prayer life, that we would pray for ourselves, but pray for others too. that we would be thankful in those times of joy and that we would cry out to you in our times of anguish. Lord, may we be used. We offer our hands and our feet to you again. Would you use us for your kingdom? Would you use us to bring more people to you? Father, would you help us to have a faith that works? All this we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.